Hello again, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. I'm telling my side of the story of Jesus and music. And we are at 1984. Sweet Comfort Band has been relentless on the road, now going on 11 years. We were damning the torpedoes before Tom Petty thought about it. 1984 was the title of George Orwell's book. It was interesting timing. His story is about a society of authoritarian rule, kind of like the opposite of utopia. If you're doing music for a living, you have to be relentless to be successful. And it's almost a miracle to have four band members go in the same direction for a decade, and I think we got along because we had four different temperaments. I read a book about that. Basically, there's a sanguine temperament, which was me. There was a phlegmatic temperament, which was mostly Rick. Randy was a melancholy, and Kevin was choleric. And that might be why we rarely butted heads. The best way to illustrate that is imagine a barn on fire. The phlegmatic says, look, there's a fire. Somebody should do something. And the melancholy says, oh man, now we're never gonna have any place to put the animals. The choleric says, let's form a line, get the bucket brigade going. We're going to put this out. And the sanguine temperament, which would be me, says, wow, we can roast marshmallows. And there, in a nutshell, is the personality types of the Sweet Comfort Band. And nobody is just one thing, by the way, but our strong suits were pretty obvious, even in the blend of our music. You could also see it in the styles of music that we each liked. When blended together would create a unique sound, Kevin would go for bottom-heavy power rock stuff. Rick liked observational songs, talking about relationships or where we were going. Randy would key in on how things felt, and I would key in on how I felt. And we had found a great blend with Hearts of Fire Project and The Cutting Edge, seeing ourselves in a spiritual warfare. But now there were cracks in our breastplate of righteousness. Our swords of the spirit were getting kind of dull. We wouldn't lose our helmets of salvation, mind you. But since the plane crash a few years ago, I was starting to question the leadership. The truth is, Kevin kept the band going, and the rest of us would kind of follow along. But even at our best, we were poorly organized. One of the first things that bugged me was every year we had to file for an extension on our taxes because there's no telling where the money went. Except in one case, the bus had busted us financially and we had been running the band like a commune, paying the members according to needs so the married guys got a little more money than the single guys. And most of the rest of the money went to fix things. Yeah, like the bus. But then we blew up equipment a lot too. But at 30 years of age, I was now married and had a kid. And I was living on $200 a week. And you might remember my wife was a waitress working full time. When we started the next project, Rick and Kevin were almost never in the studio because they were working second jobs. Randy and I were working 12-hour days recording the details for another project where we would share the profits. But resentment was kicking in. The guys working second jobs weren't sharing that money with us. And it would become the ice on the branches in my winter of discontent. And you could hear it in the songs that we wrote for perfect timing. We had been walking on the water, but now we were looking at the waves. And one of the first songs I would write for the next project was called Envy and Jealousy. They make me so small. Seems like discontent always starts when you see what other people have that you don't. So it makes sense when I wrote the song Habit of Hate. And when I would call around looking for support, it would lend itself to another song that I wrote called Don't Bother Me Now. Randy Thomas was struggling too, watching the friend that brought him to Christ turn away from Christianity and going off the rails for several years. And that's when he would write You Led Me to Believe. There was a clear amount of disillusionment. We had chosen the Elefante brothers, John and Dino, to produce this project. John was a new singer for Kansas. His brother was an engineer and entrepreneur in the studio. Dino would offer us his studio, a little place in a business complex in Alhambra called Pachyderm, in an all-inclusive flat rate, except that he kept tacking things on at the end, and he would throw fuel on the fire of my smoldering embers, talking about Kevin's ability to play the bass. It was true, Kevin had a hard time playing a whole note, adding bass licks where we didn't need 
beat him. And of course, Kevin was never there to defend himself. But the real turning point was when I felt my own indictment for not being able to play a keyboard part right. We had to slow the tape down so that I could get the eight notes down. It was on the song Perfect Timing. Kind of ironic because eight notes on a piano are hard to get perfect. But then we speeded the whole song up faster than we intended in the first place and it sounded awesome. But I instantly knew we would never be able to pull that off live. Then one day, I walked into the studio and Randy and Dino had written a new hard rockin' song called Looking for the Answer. And John Elefante had added vocals and the song sounded more like Kansas than Sweet Comfort. And this is when I got the feeling that now this was no longer our record. And I began to get the sense that I was completely replaceable. It was ironic that we were determined to get better than we actually were, even if that meant replacing everybody in the band, even me. And I began to suspect that maybe I just wanted to be big time just to be big time. I was reading from a new translation of the Bible called the New International Version, where the word strife was replaced with selfish ambition. And verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2 had kept me in the band for the last two years. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. Don't just look at your own interests, but consider the interests of others. Needless to say, I felt guilty for even wanting to be out of the band, but I was starting to feel like the prodigal son somewhere I had gotten off track. It felt like my passion had been replaced by an artificial substitute, and the song that I wrote for this record that still stands out to me today is called I Never Should Have Left You. Amazingly, you don't even have to explain that or add scripture references to endorse it. This song is as close to honesty as I think I've ever been, and the truth is I never wanted to write commercials for Jesus. I just wanted to walk with him and know what I was doing was right. And hearing the final mix when the record was finished, I also felt like I was finished. We would choose perfect timing as the title of the record. Ironically, it was a song that we would not be able to play live. It was never intended to be a final record, but we would never take this record on the road. Because I finally went to Greg Laurie, our pastor at the time, and expressed my feelings about the band. And he said, Brian, a band is not a marriage. You don't have to stay true to it for the rest of your life. But I would agonize about my decision for months, realizing that I was about to let go of the only thing I ever knew that was successful. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, it says in the book of James, don't boast about it or ignore the truth because this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is rather earthly, demonic, and unspiritual. Where you have envy and jealousy, you will have disorder and every evil practice. I was sitting three rows back in the middle at a Wednesday night Bible study when it felt like God just slapped me in the back of the head saying, I want you to get out. How long are you going to not listen? But to me, it felt like committing suicide. Oh yeah, it's easy to follow God's will when it's something you want to do. And I was spiritually challenged by Kevin and his wife sitting with them for coffee when I told them that I was going to leave. It's the devil, his wife said. All I remember saying was, no, it's not the devil, but I couldn't prove it. And no, I was not thinking about going solo when I left the band. I would get a job for the next six months, pouring concrete. It was an everyday job where I was nobody, just a guy digging trenches to pour a foundation. I would simply come home after every day's work. It was remarkably stress-free when I realized that I didn't have to impress anyone. But just as perfect timing as a title was God's plan without us knowing about it, so too was God's plan for me to know how to pour a foundation. It's not pretty and it doesn't look important, but nothing else will stand without it. And to this day, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. This has been Jesus and Music from my early days. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.